You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Paul Kern. Well, turn to Colossians chapter 3. Turn to Colossians chapter 3 with us. We are in our study on Colossians. And we're going to start with verse 12. We're going to dive right into this thing. Colossians 3, verse 12. If you're joining us on podcast, we want to welcome you. We've got people listening all over the country. And, man, we're just praying God's blessings on your life. So let's start with verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself. Everybody highlight, underline, pay attention to that word, clothe yourselves. With tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must also forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love. There it is again, clothe yourself, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything that you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong that you have done, for God has no favorites. Chapter 4, verse 1, Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. So here we are. Tim ended our last session by compelling us that our identity is found in Jesus. And if you didn't hear that, like I said, man, go back and listen. Just an excellent, excellent message. Really, really good. We no longer identify with our old nature and its corruption. This is what it's talking to us about here as we look at this. We don't identify with that. Now we identify and we clothe ourselves with a new nature. Now, we're going to really pay attention to this word, clothe ourselves. And I'm really glad that all of you did that before you came. I'm really glad that all of you did that before you came. We all clothed ourselves before we came here. Now, you, you know, you can tell a lot about people in our society by the way they dress. You can. I mean, you just can tell a whole lot about people in our society by the way they dress. From nurses and doctors, from baseball players to firemen, from postal workers to policemen, people wear a uniform to
to identify who they are all over the place. I mean, if I go to a hospital and I need help, I'm going to be looking for someone in scrubs, somebody that I can identify as a nurse or as a doctor. Those are the ones I'm going to call on for help. So what we, what we are determines what we wear. I'm going to say that again. What we are determines what we wear. And failing to dress the part can have confusing consequences for people. I, I've, there's a couple of times just kind of embarrassing moment for me is I've been in Walmart before and I remember being in Old Navy one time and I've had people walk up to me and ask me, hey, could you tell me where the such and such is? And I'm like, are you talking to me? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, uh, I don't work here. But what the problem was is I had on something that was very similar to what the employees were wearing at that time. It was the same color shirt, kind of the same look. Or when I was in Old Navy, it was kind of, you know, I had the khaki, at that time, some khaki pants, and I had an Old Navy shirt. Okay, can you help me? And it's like, no, I'm, I'm not that guy. See, see, we identify people by what they wear. Now, let's look at the point that Paul is making here in verse 12 all the way through chapter 4, verse 1. Christians must dress themselves spiritually in accordance with their new identity. This is what he's talking about for us here. We've died to Christ, we've risen to a new life, and now we are born again. Amen? We're new. Now, our salvation kind of creates a two-sided obligation for us when we get saved. There's a two-sided obligation. There's a negative side and there's a positive side. Negatively, we have to throw off the old garment, our old sinful Adamic nature, right? That old, wretched, depraved, sinful self. We have to throw that off. Man, I remember when I got saved, that was something I had to work at doing when I was 23. I'd never done that before. So I had to work at throwing off those old garments, those old clothes. Positively, we have to put on that new lifestyle, that new man, that new clothing that we've never worn before. So what is the old self? Well, listen to what Ephesians 4.22 says. It's the unregenerate self, the old, wretched, depraved, sinful self that is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. The Bible makes it very graphic and very clear what our old man looks like, what that old nature looks like. And it's not hard for us to figure that out because when we get around people and they're walking in those old garments, we recognize that pretty quickly, don't we? You know, they're being rude, they're being ugly, they're being selfish, they're being hateful. I mean, we pick up on that very quickly. We see, ooh, boy, they're, what, what are you wearing today? Wow. You know, we, we recognize that. We pick up on it. The new self walks very differently from the world. Our new garments don't look anything or shouldn't look anything like our old garments look. They should look very, very different. Our new garments are love, truth, wisdom, loving God's law, hating sin, striving to live a righteous life. That's what our new garments look like when we are born Again, see, the new self walks differently from the world. And it's important for all of us to understand that all people are either in Christ 
or they're in Adam. One or the other. There's no in-between. Now, I've tried to live the in-between when I was younger. Have y'all ever heard the term straddling the fence? If you're from Texas or Arkansas or Oklahoma, you've heard that term, straddling the fence. And it's just a, it's a term that basically there's a fence pole going right down through your midsection, and you just picture that. That's highly uncomfortable, right, trying to straddle the fence. Uh, some people have called, you know, you've got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. In other words, that represents living a life of compromise, right? You know, 101 Dalmatians, they've, they've got a, a movie coming out here for too long, and Cruella's going to be the... The bit, you know, and she's like white on one side and black on the other side. But when we're born again, we have this new identity. We're clothed in a different type of clothing. So like I said, it's important for us to stand. You're either in Christ or you're in Adam. All people fall into one of those categories. There's no middle ground. So the question that arises as to why we sin if the old self is gone. Okay, I've asked Jesus to come into my heart. I've been born again. I'm I'm trying to live my life for God. So the question arises, why we sin if the old self is gone? And the answer is we do so because the new self lives in an old body and it has to contend with our flesh. See, your spirit has to contend with your corrupted flesh. And that's why, being born again, you fight temptation. You fight the, the old self trying to put on those old garments again and get us to live that kind of life. Paul makes it clear in Romans chapter 7 that sin is not in the inner man, the eye that loves what is holy, but it's in the flesh. As a matter of fact, Paul says, when I, you know, it's not I that does it, it's sin that lives in me. Because the I is that new man, that born again person inside of you. See, like, and y'all have heard me say this before, but, you know, when I was in Adam before I got saved and, and Jesus came into my heart and began to live in my life, I enjoyed sin. I liked it. I, I wanted to get as many people involved with me in it, the more the merrier, right? Let's all just have fun sinning. But, but when Jesus came into my heart, things changed for me. You know, I remember Jesus came into my heart one night in my bed. I, I, I'd been heavily on drugs, and, and I was lying in my bed, and I'd lost my best girlfriend to drugs. She had burned to death in a car accident, and I was a pallbearer for her when I was 22 years old. And, and I had a lot to do with that because I was a drug dealer. And I... I had the burden of that on me, and I was lying in my bed, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I remember calling out to God, and right there in my bed, I wasn't in church, I wasn't at camp, it wasn't at VBS, it was just me and Jesus alone in my bed. I was lying there high on marijuana and high on ecstasy, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and instantly in that moment, my heart began to change. And, you know, I had no Christian friends. I didn't go to church. I didn't know anything about doing that at that time. 
And I remember that weekend, which was my regular occurrence, I would just get with some guys. We would go out in the country somewhere around a campfire, and we would get high, and we would sit around. And I remember kind of like having an outer body experience when I was there with those guys. And I was thinking to myself, I don't belong here anymore. And it was literally just a a matter of a couple of weeks that God moved drastically in my life. Really, in about three weeks' time, I was here in Arkansas, right here, attending this church, a, a different person. Now, Romans 8 says, we groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And we all identify with that in here. I'm saved. I no longer desire to do the wrong thing. As a matter of fact, now when I sin, it grieves me. It bothers me. I feel really bad about it. And I want to be quick to try to get myself back right with the Lord. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I didn't didn't mean to do that. That's not my heart, God. That's not what I want to do. But but I groan within myself because it's like, Dad, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I act that way? See, we all groan within ourselves because we want to be set free from this, this body of death and decay. See, we all groan when we're tempted to do things that we don't want to do. And when we do them, we regret it. Can I have an amen? So when we're born again, that new self brings new life to us. Now we're clothed in a different Garment. We receive the new identity, but even though we have a new life in Jesus, we don't have instant maturity. So you're not just instantly, everything is perfected, and you're fully mature right when you get saved. No, I got saved, but I was still really rough. As a matter of fact, I remember a story of Michelangelo, the great sculptor. One day he was out working on a sculpture, of this big rock, this big old ugly rough rock. And this man came along and he said, he said, what are you doing chipping away at that big old stone? And his response was, he says, I see an angel in this stone and I'm trying to set it free. And see, that's really what a lot of us are like. See, on the inside, there's this I that desires to live for God and serve Him, but in our, in our fallen state, in our Adamic nature, we groan because we're tempted to do things that we know we shouldn't do and say things that we know we shouldn't say and think things that we know we shouldn't think. And that's because the flesh continually tries to dangle those old garments out in front of us trying to get us to put on those old garments again. But see, that's when we have to remind ourselves, hold up, wait a minute. I don't identify with that old nature anymore. I'm a different person. I'm a new man on the inside. So no, those are not the garments that I'm going to identify myself with. I'll never forget one time I was preaching, it was several years ago, on a Sunday service, and I mentioned that pastors happen to be tempted to lust just like everybody else. And, you know, I just went on, didn't think anything about it, and the service ended. And, I mean, 
I was on my way to my car, and this young man ran me down. He could come running up to me, pastor, and, and he was new. I didn't really know him all that well. And he said, I, I, got, I have to ask you a question. I've got to get something cleared up. And I said, well, yeah, what is it? What's going on? He said, well, you were up in the pulpit, and you said that even pastors lust. And he said, you were joking, right? And I said, well, I wished I was. I wished I, I, wished I didn't. But yes, even pastors. And he goes, and he just stood there and looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, are you serious? And I said, I'm very serious. And see, he thought that he was going to arrive at some place that he was no longer going to have to struggle with the flesh dangling those old garments out in front of him. But the fact of the matter is the battle against the flesh will last throughout your lifetime. I know it's not the best news in the world that I can bring. <laughs> I wish I had something better. But, but, but the better news is, is that we've been given a new identity, a new calling, a new purpose, and a new power to overcome that old nature. We don't have to be enslaved by it anymore. So your new self is complete in Jesus, yet you still have the capacity to grow and mature. I mean, it's just like a baby. A baby is born complete, but they still have to grow and mature. And it's the same way in our Christian life, and especially those of you who are maybe new in the Lord, and you haven't been walking with Christ for very long. And, you know, you look at people who have been walking with God for 10 or 15 or, or maybe 20, 25 years or more, and, and you see, man, they, they're not struggling with the things that I struggle with, and they're not tempted by the things I'm tempted with. And, and sometimes you can get discouraged because you feel like, you know, I'm never going to make it to the place that they're at. I don't think I'll ever arrive at that point. But listen, you, you have to understand, just like a baby, a baby starts out in diapers, a baby's food is blended up, and that baby is completely taken care of by its mother, 100%. But over time, that baby matures and grows and ultimately learns how to feed, clothe, and take care of itself. And that's exactly where God is taking all of us. So your new self is complete in Jesus, but you're growing. Paul said our inner man is being renewed day by day so that it can cope with the decaying outer man that is decaying day by day. It only makes sense that a righteous identity should reveal a righteous behavior. Amen? See, a righteous identity should reveal a righteous behavior. Righteous behavior is the outward manifestation of an inward transformation. I'm going to say that again. It is an outward manifestation of an inward transformation. See, oftentimes we try to start with the outer instead of starting with the inner. See, God builds people from the inside out, not from the outside in. There's no amount of going to church or going to an AA meeting or getting into any kind of program, any kind of structured, organized religious program or otherwise that's going to do you any good until you have a born-again experience on the inside of you. 
See, when I was born again and Jesus took up residence in my heart, now all of a sudden, I'm a new guy. I don't want to be with those people. I don't want to do those things. Man, I've got a different purpose, a different passion, a different vision. Everything changed for me. That's why I left Texas and came here. As a matter of fact, because of that inward transformation, an outward behavioral change took place, and a lot of my friends didn't want to be around me anymore. Friends that were really close with me. Why? Well, because I convicted them. I didn't want to smoke pot anymore. I didn't want to drink. I didn't want to do those things anymore, man. I wanted to live for God. I had a vision for what God was going to do with my life. And so here's what we have to understand. The only proof that we can offer people that we are a Christian is that they see us acting like Christ. They have to see new garments on us. New garments on us. We look different than what we used to. And that's why we need to be very careful what we post on social media platforms. Very careful. I watch older people posting things on social media, and I'm thinking, you ought to know better than that. You're, you're an older person. You ought to know better than that. You ought to be walking in more wisdom and discernment than for you to post something like that. Listen, we can be right in truth, but we can be wrong in spirit and motive. I'm going to say that again because that was good. You can be right in truth. What you're saying can be true. It can't even be factual, but it can be very wrong in spirit and motive. And that's what is important to the Lord. Let's look at what we're to be clothed in. Look at verse 12. Clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Now let's just look at some of these virtues here. The first one is a heart of compassion. A heart of compassion is the first character trait or virtue that is the mark of a new person in Christ. As a matter of fact, compassion in Hebrew means pity, mercy, sympathy, or compassion. So this phrase literally means that you have a deep gut-level feeling of compassion for people that you come into contact with. See, we shouldn't be indifferent to people, especially when people are suffering. We shouldn't be indifferent. No, the Bible says that we are to have hearts of compassion for people. See, compassion expresses itself in action. What does that action look like? A hug, a phone call, a text, taking them out to lunch, going over their house, praying for them, being there for them when they struggle. See, we shouldn't be indifferent. No, compassion is it's, it's an action word in our life. See, people experience our compassion for them. Then they're able to recognize, wait a minute, they're different. They're not like everybody else. There's something about them that's very different. See, that was the thing that really brought the change in my life. You know, I initially had my experience with the Lord lying in my bed on that hot August night. 
And I remember coming here to Arkansas, and I sat under a lot of great teaching, just like we sit under here in our church. We're so blessed to have the kind of teaching that we have, especially from our lead pastor. He just has so much wisdom. But, you know, that wasn't necessarily the big thing that brought the change in my life. The thing that really brought the change in my life was the example that Tim and Terry set before me. See, I was able to see they were different people. They weren't like a lot of the ones that I had come from, the group that I had been associating with. They were different. They were clothed in different clothing. The next quality is kindness. It's very similar to compassion. It represents a a mellowing of what otherwise might be a harsh response. Kindness. You just, you're walking in kindness. God is kind. As a matter of fact, God is kind even to ungrateful people. It's true. God was kind to me when I was very ungrateful. I didn't want God's help. I didn't even think I needed God's help. But God knew I needed his help. And he was kind to me. As a matter of fact, the scripture says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. God's kindness. We need to walk in kindness. See, God's kindness. We need to keep that in mind. God is kind. So as we post on social media, are we being kind? Or are we being mean? Are we being kind? Or are we being harsh? See, it's, it's the way that God wants us to live. The next quality is humility. Humility. Humility is a, a very important virtue. One of the more important virtues that we'll be looking at here. As a matter of fact, humility is so important because it's a cure for the self-love that poisons our life. We can become very selfish, self-loving people. It's just life's all about us. It's not about anybody else. And oftentimes, we can elevate ourselves higher than we need to. The scripture says, never think of yourself more than you ought. You know, it, it's, it's very refreshing being around humble people. You know, I've been around some really wealthy people, and I've been around some really intelligent people. Real, way smarter, way, way smarter than me, and I'm not even saying that I'm, I'm smart. But they were humble. They didn't make you feel like you were less of a person. They didn't make you feel dumb. They didn't make you feel like you were unimportant because you didn't have the same, you know, economic status that they have. No, they, they were humble. Galatians 6, 3 says, if you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Now, don't get me wrong. You are important. You're definitely important to God because you are created in his image. But God wants us to understand that humility is an important thing for us to walk in. Philippians 2.3 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Do you know how many times I've caught myself in my old garments thinking that I'm better than somebody else? I've been in my car driving down the road and somebody's pulled out in front of me and I've said, I've thought in my mind, you idiot. 
Now, I know y'all have never done that. I'm just airing out my dirty laundry for y'all and being honest up here in front of you. I know y'all have never thought that kind of thought. You, you know, your no fingers on your hands started twitching at any time. But I've, I've thought that, and then I think, well, that's a terrible thing to think. That's a terrible thing to say. You're not any better than they are. Humility. Humility. See, humility will have us accepting people into our life that need us, and we need them. Humility is such an important thing for us to walk in. The next virtue is gentleness. Gentleness. Now, a lot of people make the mistake of confusing gentleness with weakness. Weakness. I, I tell our interns, don't mistake my kindness or my gentleness for weakness because I'm, I'm not a weak person. But the truth is, anybody can get in a fight. That's easy. It takes a strong person to avoid a fight. As a matter of fact, I was always taught that the strength of a man is in his ability to be gentle. It takes a lot of self-control to walk and not get in a fight with someone. Gentleness. Gentleness should be a mark of a believer. Even when restoring a brother or sister in Christ, gentleness should be used. Even when we're defending our faith against unbelievers on social media platforms. Come on. It's very important. Listen, many of the people that we interact with on social media, we are the only Jesus that they're ever going to encounter. Are you giving a good representation of what he looks like in what you just posted? It's important that we ponder that, that we think about that. Everything that we share, everything that we post should be very, very thought over. Not just flippantly, we need to look, we need to make sure that it's correct, we need to make sure the spirit of it is good, we need to make sure that our motive before we do it is right. Come on, can I have an amen? Boy, it got quiet in here. The next virtue is patience. Now, this is my favorite, not (laughs) patience. This is a, a, a hard one for all of us. Patient person doesn't get angry with others. Patience is the opposite of resentment. It's the opposite of revenge. Patience is, is a very godlike quality. As a matter of fact, 2 Peter 3.15 says, were it not for God's patience, no one would ever be saved. <laughs> How many of y'all have ever said, God, thank you for being patient with me? I mean, I, I do it on a daily basis. I'm like, God, I'm, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being patient with me. God was patient with us. Therefore, we ought to show patience to others. We have to remind ourselves of that all the time. God has been patient with me. I need to be patient with others. The next virtue is make allowance for each other's faults. This means to endure, to hold out in spite of persecution, injury, complaints, not retaliate. 
See, the, the Corinthian church had to be taught this by Paul because they were suing each other. I mean, members of church, people that went to church together, they were getting in arguments and they were suing each other because they weren't making allowances for each other's faults. It's very important that we recognize that this is, I mean, we all should exercise forbearance with one another. It's something that we all need to be doing, it, it, you know, it, making allowances for other people. The next one that kind of goes right with it, the next virtue is forgiving each other. And we forgive because we've been forgiven. Amen? That's why we forgive. It's not because you want to. Usually you don't. <laughs> Usually when I need to forgive, I don't want to forgive, but I know I need to forgive. And then I think about it, okay, wait, God has forgiven me. I need to forgive. It would be the ultimate act of hypocrisy to walk in unforgiveness towards someone knowing that God has forgiven us for all of our wrongs. Who are we to walk in unforgiveness towards someone when God has forgiven us? I mean, that's so important for us. Just as the Lord has forgiven us, we should forgive others. Listen, this is how you remain friends with people. This is how you remain married. This is how you remain employed. This is how you live life. It's so vitally important to walk in the art of forgiveness. Verse 14, above all, clothe yourself with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Now, in keeping with the idea of putting clothes on, love is the belt that holds all of the other virtues together. It's like the belt, okay? It keeps your shirt tucked in. It keeps your pants up. It keeps everything in order. That's, that's what love, you think of it kind of like as a belt, Love is the most important quality in a believer's life because it's the glue that holds the unity of the church together. See, our strong bonds of love for one another, and our church is a loving church. I mean, I, I, I just look forward to every service that we have because I love our people in our church, and I love new people coming in. There's just more people that we can love right? And more people that can love us. I mean, the more the merrier is what I say. But without love, we'll never enjoy the fellowship of compassion or kindness or humility or gentleness or peace. Love is the, the thing that brings us all together. We won't bear up with one another's burdens. We won't forgive each other unless we love one another. In fact, the way to sum up all the commandments in the Bible is to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the scripture says. The law and the prophets is summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. As a matter of fact, if we could all just walk in love, true, genuine love, we wouldn't hardly need any laws for much of anything. See, love is what makes the bride of Christ, the church, beautiful by dispelling the ugly sins of the flesh. That's what love does for us. All right, let's move on. Verses 18 through 25, we're going to close with these verses. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, now, obviously, we don't have slaves in this sense. We're going to transpose this truth and this understanding to uh, employers and employees. 
Everybody is either an employer or they're an employee, or maybe you're both. You might, <laughs> you might play double roles. Slaves, obey your earthly masters, or employees, obey your bosses and what you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because you're reverent fear for the Lord. Work willingly for them, and whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather, for their, rather than for your boss. Remember, the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And that the master you're serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you've done, for God has no favorites. Paul sums up by talking about the marriage relationship in verse 18 and 19. Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting to those who belong to the Lord. And then husbands, love your wives and don't treat them harshly. So here he's dealing with the marriage life or married life, okay? Then he moves on. And he begins to talk about family relationships. See, the Bible covers it all. I mean, it, t- it teaches us how to live life in every arena of life. So it talks about family relationships. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, don't aggravate your children. Us dads, we have a tendency to do that. We get frustrated. We forget that we were 17 when we're 35 or 40. We forget that, but we have to remember what we were like at that time. So it says, don't aggravate them or they will become discouraged. And lastly, he talks about relationships between employers and employees. So as we wrap this up, these are characteristics that we're to clothe ourselves in. This is our new clothing. We, we take off our old garments and we put on our new garments. We're wearing clean, new, holy garments that Jesus has made available to us. As I wrap up, these are these characteristics. And, and I want you to know, listen, people are desperate to see real people. And I'm, gonna, I'm not just talking about you acting real when you're at church. That's not real, that's fake. If you're acting real when you're at church, but you don't act the same way when you're outside the walls, the four walls of the church, then you're plastic. You're fake. It's not real. God wants us to be real. God wants us to treat people the same way outside of the church as we do inside the walls of the church. And when they see us clothed that way, whether we're in Walmart or whether we're going out to eat, work, you know, dealing with a waitress or a waiter, or whether it's online on a social media platform, when we act differently, when they see us clothed differently, that is going to be the thing that is going to draw them to Jesus. See, we have to represent him well. So our challenge is to be salt and to be light. And to, every day when we get up, you know, <laughs> we have a routine at our house. My wife gets ready the night before. And, you know, most women don't like having to get ready for what they're going to wear the next day, right? And sometimes you change your outfit three or four times just to go to one event. <laughs> it's true. I've seen it happen on several occasions. And, and then you walk out and you say, okay, which shoe, this shoe or this shoe? And I'm like, what is the right answer? I don't really know. Um, well, which one do you like? <laughs> you know, so we, we put a lot of thought into what we're going to wear according to where we're going to go. 
And there are certain things that are very inappropriate to wear to certain events. Well, it would be very inappropriate for us as a Christian who is heading toward a wedding feast with Christ to have our old garments on because then Jesus is going to say, how did you get in here and what are you wearing? And so every day when we get up, we put thought into what we're going to wear. Every day when we get up, we put thought into what we're going to put on spiritually and how we're going to live our life for the kingdom of God. Amen? Did y'all get something out of this? Amen. Praise the Lord. Stand with me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. God, help us. Help us, help us, help us, Lord, to be real, genuine people. Help us, Lord, to clothe ourselves in the garments of righteousness. Go before us this week. Bring us back here Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.